G'day. Welcome to God's Word Today's World, applying scripture to modern life. My name is Dan Van Werkhoven. I'm an Aussie writer and pastor living with my wife on a tiny island called Saipan. Join me today as I dig into scripture and explore how God's Word can still be applied to our lives thousands of years later. Hey, you're listening to episode 10 of the God's Word Today's World podcast. In today's episode, I'm tackling an issue which greatly concerns me, and that is the health of the Western church. See, I believe the church in the West is sick, very sick. That is a barely functioning cripple. Sure, it looks okay on a Sunday morning, but it looks nothing like the church in Acts. We don't act anything like the early church did, how Jesus instructed the church to act. And today, we'll look at how we can change that. If you want access to the show notes and the full transcript, you can find that over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen and look for episode 10 on the list. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. And that really does help a lot. If you're enjoying this show, I would very much encourage you and ask you to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review there. But without further ado, let's dig in. Last week in episode 9 of the God's Word Today's World podcast, we continued our look at persecution, a topic which appears many times throughout Acts. We saw last week that the apostles, after they had suffered disgrace for Jesus' name, they rejoiced. They rejoiced not because they had been flogged, but because they had been counted worthy of suffering for Jesus. To them, the persecution was proof they were living as Jesus had taught them because they were suffering the same way Jesus had. And today is no different. When we seek to love others as Jesus loves us, and we face persecution of any kind for that, it's proof that we're honoring God. It's proof because we're suffering the same way Jesus suffered. That does not mean that persecution is easy or that it won't hurt. It will cause pain, but we can rejoice because it's a sign of something more. It's a sign that we're honoring God, and which is better? To please God or to please the world? Today, we're looking at the health of the Western church. Our passage today is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through to 7. This is in the World English Bible. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, a complaint arose from the Hellenists against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily service. The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not appropriate for us to forsake the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, select from among you, brothers, seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will continue steadfastly in prayer and in the ministry of the word. These words pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. 
whom they set before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. The word of God increased, and the number of disciples greatly multiplied in Jerusalem. A great company of priests were obedient to the faith. The twelve apostles had been doing what Jesus commanded. They had been spreading the gospel. They had been doing signs and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit. They'd been suffering for Jesus. They'd been in prison. They've been flogged. They've been ridiculed. And for what? For loving others and telling people the truth about Jesus. But all is not perfect within the church. Some Jews, those not native to Palestine but from diaspora, believed their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Caring for widows was an incredibly important part of church life. There was no government welfare, and God had always commanded the Israelites to care for the widows and orphans. That was a duty they were still to perform. However, some were being overlooked. And those being overlooked complained to the twelve about it, asking them to fix the situation. On the surface, this seems perfectly reasonable. If you've got a problem with the church, you take it to the pastor. Nothing wrong with that, right? It was the apostles' responsibility to make sure everything ran smoothly, right? To a degree, that is right. However, there was a simple matter of logistics that needed to be addressed. See, by this point, it's not unrealistic to estimate that the church in Jerusalem could have been around 20,000 people. In Acts chapter 4, verse 4, Luke records the number of men who believed, to be around 5,000. That's not including women and children. Nearly every chapter, Luke also records that the church continued to grow rapidly. So what we have here is 12 men responsible for maybe 20,000 people. Can you imagine the number of complaints and issues that would crop up in a group of 20,000 people? I've been to a number of church meetings in my life in churches of just 200 people, and the meetings always last a while and there are always a number of issues brought up. But now multiply that by a hundred. In other words, the apostles had an impossible amount to deal with. So much so that if they were to try and deal with just the general administration of the church, that have to neglect their ministry as Jesus' chosen spokespersons. Their primary ministry was to preach the word of God with truth and love. They could not do that while administrating a group of 20,000 people. And so their response to the complaint was quite simple. Find people you know who are filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom and have them fix the problem. So the church did exactly that. They chose seven godly men, and the apostles appointed them to administer the food and ensure that all were cared for equally, regardless of where they came from. This simple action freed the apostles up to focus on their task of preaching the word, and so allowed the church to continue to grow rapidly. But why did this work so well? Why was the act of giving the responsibility of distributing food to others such an important thing? 
because the church is a body. I'm sure you've heard the concept that Paul talks about of the church being a body, the body of Christ. Paul uses this analogy because it's a powerful example of how the church is to function. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 27 in the World English Bible says this, For as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether bond or free, and were all given to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot would say, Because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not therefore not a part of the body. If the ear would say, Because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it's not therefore not a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. If there were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. The eye can't tell the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which we think are less honourable, on those we bestow more abundant honour, and our unpresentable parts have more abundant propriety. Whereas our presentable parts have no such need. But God composed the body, the body together, giving more abundant honour to the inferior part, that there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. When one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. When one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So Paul addresses a few important concepts here, but what I want to focus on is this. Every part of the body has a job. There are no useless parts. There are no parts that are just there for their own benefit and give nothing to the rest of the body. My hand needs my stomach, and my stomach needs my hand. If I don't eat, my stomach can't absorb the nutrients that my muscles need in order to survive. Without that food, the muscles for my hand will wither and cease to work. If my hand ceases to work, I can't feed myself. I can't provide my stomach with the food that it needs to convert into fuel that my hand needs in order to keep functioning. My stomach and my hand need each other. If one stops working, everything else is put under humongous strain. My wife, Brittany, is a great example right now of what happens when one part of the body ceases to function as it should. Right now, her left ankle is in a state of recovery because she broke it back in December and needed surgery. Because of this, every single muscle from her ankle to her neck has been messed up 
as her body fights to compensate for the strain of a half-working ankle. But not just her muscles are affected. Her mood and emotions suffer because of the constant frustration of not being able to move properly. And further, my life suffers because I need to do more for her. Now that's not a complaint, it's just a fact. It's what's happening because of her damaged ankle. One joint failed, and right now doesn't do its job properly, and nearly every single part of Brittany's life suffers because of it. But if you were to look at her right now, she's limping a bit. Sometimes she's not limping at all and seems to be functioning pretty well. It doesn't look that bad. And it's true, she can walk now. She is fairly mobile. But is she anything like she was six months ago? No, not even close. She can't run. She can't jump. She can't even do a squat properly at the moment. She can't She can barely use stairs without railings. She can't walk long distances. Her back is messed up from the imbalance of the way that she has been walking, and that in turn messes up her neck and gives her headaches. But to look at her, she can walk, she can get to work, she's independent. And Brittany is a picture of so many churches. We look at them and say, well, they work, right? They meet every Sunday and they have a couple of Bible studies through the week, maybe an outreach or two now and then, they're working fine. But in reality, many churches are barely functioning cripples in the West. How many churches have you attended, looked around on a Sunday morning, thought everything looked just fine, and then left? How often do we attend a church and get discouraged because... There's not much outreach. Well, there aren't enough ministries. How often have we said, man, I wish they had a Bible study that suited to me. Or I wish they had more events out in the community. They really need to focus on community work. I've heard countless stories of people leaving churches because they didn't feel the church provided them what they wanted. It didn't cater to their needs. And to be honest, I've been that person. I've left churches because they didn't tick all the boxes that I wanted them to tick. How often do we look at those churches and say, that church is lazy because they're not doing X. But do we stop and consider the fact that perhaps the church has no ministries because it's actually crippled? And the reason that church is crippled is because out of everyone in the church on a Sunday morning, only a handful are actually invested in the church, are actually involved in ministries and helping out and really see that church as their family that they need to pour into. And so the weight of keeping the church functioning falls on the shoulders of just a few. Those few are forced to work overtime to compensate for the parts of the body that do nothing. And those relatively few suffer. They miss things. They stop doing ministries they used to love because they don't have the time or energy and need to focus on the bare minimum of keeping the church functioning on a Sunday morning. And so that church is on life support. And that's the state of the Western church. We're on life support, people. The Western church as a whole is barely keeping alive. When was the last time you walked into a church in the West 
And every single member was active in serving others and was proactive in seeking out ministries to be involved with and not just waiting to be given something. Honestly, I have never in my life walked into a church like that. I don't doubt that they exist, but I've not experienced them. And I'll quickly note that when I say member, I'm referring specifically to people who would say they're a part of the church. I'm not talking about visitors. I'm not talking about guests or about people at church because people who are at church because they're searching for something, for Jesus. I'm talking about people who have committed their lives to following Jesus and call that church their home. That's what I mean by a member. So look around your church. It won't be a healthy church unless every single person who calls that church their own is involved in serving the rest of the church. And that includes you. It starts with you. It's that hand and stomach situation. Some of you go to church because you like the sermons. Some of you go because you like the worship. Some of you go because you like the people. Some of you go for the coffee. That's me half the time, to be honest. My point is this. You go to church for something. Something that someone else is providing. Maybe you go for the music. The worship team, I'm sure, is happy to serve in that way. But they also need others. They need you to serve them, to help them. They have struggles, pains, fears. They need your support and prayer. Perhaps you go for the sermons. I'm sure your pastor is more than happy to serve in that way. But they still need serving too, a lot of it. They're on the front line and their entire family is under constant attack because of it. They need your consistent support and prayer. Now, some of you do go with a focus on serving others, not just to be served. Some of you serve on a ministry team or are a pastor or serve in some way in your church. And that's awesome. But to be a healthy church, to be healthy churches, we need everyone who calls the church their own to come with a desire to not just get something, but to serve others. And to take that into the week too, because it's about more than Sunday morning. There are only so many tasks that need doing on a Sunday morning or evening or Saturday evening, depending when your church meets, it doesn't matter. The point is, there are only so many things to be done at that time, but there are endless opportunities for serving others throughout the week. And until all of us are serving in some way, our churches will be churches that are limping, not running, not jumping. But how will we know when we have a healthy church? What does that look like? Because obviously we're not literally limping. So what does a healthy church look like? We don't really need to go any further than Acts. Remember those passages that we've been looking at over the past few weeks, where everyone in the church was giving up their own property in order to care for one another? 
in order to make sure everyone had what they needed? If we look at the heart behind those acts of selling possessions and properties, what do we find? What we find is a church filled with members who desired to serve others, who made it a priority to serve their brothers and sisters. That's what a healthy church looks like. It's a church where people come because they desire to serve others. It's a church where people make it a priority to see that the needs of their brothers and sisters are met. It's a church where everyone treats each other as family, not just acquaintances they see once a week. Now, the early church, it wasn't a perfect church. They had issues. They got sick. Today, we looked at some of that sickness developing and how it hurt the church's ministry and health. Some of those in need were being ignored and were suffering because of that. But how the apostles dealt with that is key. And if the Western church, meaning every Christian in the West, tackle issues like they did, it will change the health of the Western church overnight. Ready? Here's the answer. The solution to what was broken in Acts chapter 6 wasn't that those already working do more work, that those serving serve more. The solution was this. More people needed to start serving. The solution was that the rest of the body start picking up the slack, that the hands sitting idle and just draining the body actually work, actually pick something up, that the eyes that are hazed and unfocused actually see, that the heart that doesn't want to beat actually beats. It is that simple. The health of a church is dictated by the willingness of its members to love and serve others. And that's my challenge today. How are you serving the needs of your brothers and sisters at your church? Are you serving others? Or are you going to church on the weekend because of what you get from it? And if you want to serve, but you have no idea how or what areas the Holy Spirit has given you gifts and passions, and if you have put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has gifted you, If you're unsure of what your church needs, please talk to your leadership and find out. In episode 13, I talk about how you can discover your spiritual gifts and use them to serve others. And that episode should be coming out on June 3, 2019. So a few weeks from now, but you might be listening in the future. And if it's after that date, that episode will be available to listen to now. And I would recommend that if you're wanting to find out how the Holy Spirit has gifted you, then by all means, listen to that episode and I hopefully can give a bit of an idea. And if you want to have more answers, more resources on that, please don't hesitate to leave a comment on that episode or this episode and I'll see what I can do and what I can provide because I have been led to some really great resources in the past on discovering spiritual gifts. And it is such an important area. 
And we all have gifts. If our faith is in Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit has given us supernatural gifts in order to serve others. Those gifts aren't to serve ourselves. They're for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's to build up the church, the body of Christ, so that the whole body is working and functioning well, so that it's not disabled and crippled and barely functioning. And so I'll close with this. The answer to the Western church's health problem isn't that those who are serving serve more. It's that more of us begin to serve. When we gave our life to Christ, we didn't become a part of a meet-once-a-week club. We became a part of a family, of a body. Do you treat your church like a family? Do you care for it like you should your body? I'd encourage you to do so. Thank you for joining me today on God's Word Today's World. If you'd like to view the show notes or leave a comment, you can find the complete list of all podcast episodes over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen. Hope to see you next week. Now go apply God's Word to your life.